This is episode 389 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life, so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, 25 Easy Homesteading Skills We Need to Be Self-Reliant. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Everyone, this episode is sponsored by my ebook, The Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. Hey, I learned a while back that when you prepare, it is going to cost some money. There's a lot of things that we can do for free. There's a lot of things that we can do on a budget. But when it boils down to it, prepping is going to cost some money. And so if you find yourself not having enough money to prep the way that you would like, the answer that I have found that has helped me tremendously was having a micro biz. There is something that you do very, very well, and there are people that will pay for that. And so when you combine what you love to do and the fact that people are out there willing to pay for that, you can earn money and that money can go towards your preparedness. And so that's what this ebook is all about. You get the lifetime access to the forums when you do purchase the ebook. So if you're interested, I have a link in the show notes or you can just come on over to the prepper website podcast.com. All right, so our article for the podcast comes to us from foodstoragemoms.com. And the article is entitled 25 Easy Homesteading Skills We Need to Be Self-Reliant. Now, don't let the word homesteading kind of throw you here because really the skills that are going to be mentioned in this article are skills that we all really need to know and skills that we need to be able to apply uh, in in our lives, right? And I think at the end of this article title where she says we need to be self-reliant, I think that's the key because these are not just specific to homesteading and these are not all the skills you need. These are just a sampling of them, but it's a place to start and it's to get the juices flowing in your heart and in your mind and like, okay, where am I, where am I headed in this preparedness? Because you might be kind of new to preparedness or you might even have been prepping for a while now. And, you know, where do you start? Where do you go? What kinds of things do you really need to know? And we talk about buying gear. We talk about buying food and all those types of things. But we need to combine all of that with skill. And this is what this article is going to talk about. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Again, 25 easy homesteading skills we need to be self-reliant. I've been thinking about 25 easy homesteading skills we need to be self-reliant at the very least. It's really all about taking care of ourselves and not depending on the government or anyone else to take care of our family. We have all been homemakers in different ways. It doesn't matter if we have worked professionally outside our home to put food on the table or not. We do what we can to teach our children and grandchildren to be self-reliant. It's a little frustrating when I hear there are so many people that have been living in low-income housing for 10 to 15 years or longer. Many families are on food stamps. I get it if someone needs help occasionally. Keyword, occasionally. Please do not teach your children that receiving food stamps is a way of life. I know a few families that have been on food stamps for 10 to 15 years. Can someone please explain this to me? Were they not taught how to support themselves? I wish the school still had home economics class, you know, like cooking and sewing, etc. 
if the schools are not teaching it, are the parents? Are these easy homesteading skills a thing of the past? I believe we would have fewer families on government assistance and less enabling if people were taught to take care of themselves. I may sound very strong today, but we have got to teach the world they can take care of themselves. Mark and I have always been self-sufficient. Has it been easy? No, it has not. But we need to bring back the skills to teach people to save money, budget, cook at home, and so much more. Please tell me how many of these simple skills you have taught yourself or your family. I love hearing your stories. All right, so I'm planning on, because there's not a lot as far as in each of these skills. I As I was reading it, I'm like, man, I can really just kind of touch base on all of these because I think it's just a good list. It's a good starter list and uh, can get us going and, and really uh, start a conversation. But I wanted to go up to something that she said here. You know, my wife and I, we always tried to do the right thing, but we knew, just like Linda's talking about here, we knew people who took advantage of the system. You know, when our when we were uh, young and we, uh, we were running a, a foster group home, we didn't have the type of insurance that would pay for a pregnancy. So we just had the, the uh, insurance that would cover our own health. So when we got pregnant, we wound up having to pay for the doctor and the hospital and all of that kind of stuff out of pocket, which, you know, if you have to do that and you're paying cash, the hospital really works with you. And so it was really, you know, it really worked great. And so when you have your, your child, then your, uh, your insurance automatically kicks in at that point. But it didn't cover any of the pregnancy and the doctor visits and the hospital and the epidurals and, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? But we had, we knew people who, uh, took advantage of the system who they didn't have insurance at all they could have had they they could have had insurance themselves but they didn't and so when they went into the hospital they got pregnant they went to the hospital everything was paid for and then they came out on top of that with uh, uh medicaid right and so the the kids had free shots and free this and free that uh they got free you know formula and all you know all those types of things that that they were receiving when they could have paid for it. You know, it just was a, a determination in your lifestyle and the, the difference that you were going to, to, to make in your lifestyle. And so, you know, that's always kind of there uh, in the back of my mind that there are people out there that definitely will take advantage of the system. And then when she talked about here, 10 you know, people that are on food stamps for 10 to 15 years, when we ran the group home, there was a little girl who was with us who she was a third generation CPS child. So meaning that her mom was in CPS and her grandmother was in CPS. And so this was just a lifestyle. This was they were used to it. They knew that okay, they would go into CPS and at some point, you know, they would have visits with the parents back and forth and all those types of things and that was just their the the lifestyle that they lived. They were used to that. Uh, this little girl that lived with us had an older sister who was pregnant, and this child would be a fourth generation CPS child because her sister was in CPS as well, although she didn't live with us. But when you are in CPS care and you get pregnant, that child automatically becomes a ward of the state. And so that child would have been a fourth generation CPS uh, child. And so, you know, people get used to the system. They get used to the government. And another thing that I wanted to bring up is she talked about the home economics in school. They do still teach this, 
but it's not looked at with the value that it was back in the day. I remember when we ran the group home, we had kids who were taking home economics and they would, uh, you know, they had an egg and they, that egg was supposed to be their baby and they, you know, they were supposed to take care of it and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Um, it was a little bit more valued back then. I mean, but we're talking about years, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Um, and so, you know, they still have them nowadays, but it's just not as valued as it was back in the day. And uh, so you can still get to it now with the focus on uh, college and all that kind of stuff. You know, that's just an elective for people who usually aren't going to go to college or maybe they do have a lot of extra credit. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're fine with their credits to be able to graduate high school. So they throw in home economics. Right. And so that's kind of sad because there's a lot of great things that you can learn from uh, from a class like this. So let's go ahead and jump into the skills again. As I'm going through them, I think it's a good idea to think about, you know, okay, how good am I in this situation or in this in this skill? Do I have this skill or at least is there somebody in my household, maybe my spouse, do they have this skill? Is it something that I need to learn? Is it something that I need to start applying to my, uh, you know, to my preparedness? Because uh, you know, it's very easy now when we are in good times. When we are in times where we can, you know, go take a class or we can do the research or we can start learning a new skill, now's the time to do that. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. The first one is budgeting income. Let's be perfectly frank here. If families would teach their young children to spend less, buy less, and live on what they make, we as taxpayers will hopefully pay less in taxes. As you know, there are so many ways to budget, but the easiest is to write down what you make and monitor what you spend. If you make this much, you spend less than that amount. All right, guys, this is so important. And this is one of the things that every prepper, regardless of uh, your financial status, needs to be doing. Because, you know, we need to make sure that we tell our money what to do. Because if not, the money, our money will just go do whatever. And it's very easy to just start spending crazy left and right. And by the time you know it, you you spent it on a bunch of junk, right? And so the budget, when you have a budget, you're able to tell your money what you want it to do. And so if you have a category for preparedness, if you have a category for your preparedness plans, you can put money towards that category, or you can say, "Hey, I know that when I have this amount of money in my in in my uh, prepping uh, category, then I'm going to buy this item, and then I'm going to buy this item." I actually have a lot for you on this coming up, and I'm excited. It's something I've been working on, something exciting that I'm going to share uh, with you in the in the near future. So be on the lookout for something coming uh, from from me on this uh, topic right here. But definitely, you need to get a budget. You need to make sure that you are watching your money and monitoring your money. The next one is eat at home. If we can learn to cook from scratch, just think of the money that we can save. Lots of money. Plus, it isn't hard and you know what you're eating. You can borrow grandma's cookbook and start today. <laughs> and so very, very true. Um, you know, in our society with it so fast paced and usually there's two, you know, a two income home. So, you know, dad is working or, you know, both spouses are working and uh, you come home and you're tired 
And it's kind of like, what do you, what do you want to eat? What do you want? You know, you, the spouse doesn't want to go and your spouse that spent all day at work doesn't want to come in and, and start cooking. Uh, and so it's so easy to go run by, you know, McDonald's or fast food and pick that up to eat. The problem is, is that eating that all the time is going to, you know, hurt your body. And that's definitely not what you want. Uh, and so it, it's so much better. It's so much cheaper and healthier to eat at home. This requires a little bit of planning and it requires a little bit of uh, effort. And so something like if you do have a nine to five that you are working Monday through Friday, maybe it means going to or planning a menu out and going to the grocery store on Saturday morning. I like Saturday mornings because there's hardly anybody there. The you know, the longer you go into Saturday, lots of people there. But if you go early Saturday morning, there's nobody there. You get your stuff. You come back. And so you have a menu already. So when you come home tired from work, you're not thinking about, okay, what do I make? All you have to do is look at the menu. Now, it might uh, you might have to uh, go into making, you know, cooking and stuff like that. But it takes the, the guesswork and the, the thought out of what am I going to make tonight. And then you can do things like if you can invest in an Instapot, you can make meals very, very quickly. And Instapot is, is pretty, uh, pretty remarkable on how fast it can cook. You can cook a big roast in, in minutes, you know, and, uh, and have a decent meal. So you have that if you feel comfortable living, leaving a slow uh, crock pot, a slow cooker going all day long. Uh, you know, while you're at work, I don't know. I don't recommend that. I know there's a lot of people do that. I know there's a lot of teachers that do that. that they uh, they set a crock pot in the morning and then they leave, they go to work and they come back and it's done. So uh, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable doing that. But if you do, that's something that you can do and uh, you can do it that way. Or you can make some, you know, make a big meal one evening knowing that you'll have leftovers and, uh, and and be smart about that. But definitely eating at home is is very valuable and knowing how to cook, knowing how to add spices, knowing how to improvise, knowing how to look at uh, some different ingredients that you have and say, okay, I can whip up a meal with these items right here. You know, that's very valuable. And so there's a lot of cooking. I mean, cooking um, books are, our cookbooks are, a dime a dozen out there. And so even if you like half price books and Amazon and all that kind of stuff, but even if you go to a resale shop, you can find uh, cookbooks for like a dollar and some of them are really good books. And then of course, if uh, you know, grandparents and uh, your grandma or, or whatever have you know, recipes that they can hand down, that's always great too. And then you can, you can be very specific. I mean, there's a lot of cookbooks that talk about like minimalistic uh, cooking, you know, like how how can I cook on a budget, and how can I, you know, save money cooking, and and how can I do cooking and pre-plan two weeks worth of meals. So there's a lot of great stuff out there, and so definitely that's one of those skills that we need to to add to our repertoire. Number three is learn to sew. If you can learn to use a sewing machine, you can at least mend the clothes you have when you need to repair a seam. If you can afford to send your children to sewing class, please do it. Sewing is a skill they can use their whole life. And not just sewing, uh, you know, a seam, but, you know, putting on a button, something as simple as putting on a button, right? Something, uh, you know, fixing a tear, something as simple as that. 
Uh, and so definitely that is something to learn. Uh, you don't hear too much about that in the preparedness, in preparedness articles. I think a lot of the times because they just leave that up to women. And so maybe the homesteading, uh, homesteading uh, websites and articles are there. But even at that, I mean, I follow a lot of them for Prepper website. I don't see a whole lot of it. But it's something that is uh, is easy to do and something that if we were in a situation that we really needed to, uh, to, to know this, then it's a good skill to have. Number four is quilting. Do you remember your mother or grandmother quilting? I remember my grandmother using every scrap of an old dress, shirt, or blouse to make a pieced quilt. It was so fun to see a bit of my old dress that I loved built into a quilt here or there. A quilt tells a story, right? Definitely. We have a lady at the church who quilts. Uh, she actually took a vacation uh, to meet up with other people uh, just to go do quilting. And uh, so I've seen some of her pictures on Facebook. They look pretty cool. Uh, you know, I think they're like in Colorado. Uh, yeah, they're in Colorado, like up in the mountains and quilting. So uh, very, very cool. All right. Number five is gardening. If you learn to grow just even a few vegetables really well and practice year after year, you can be self-reliant. Just think about picking freshly grown vegetables from your garden for almost every meal. If you plant some fruit trees and bushes, you can just imagine the harvest. All right, so there is a link here about preparing your soil. Uh, definitely gardening is one of those skills. We talk a lot about it here, um, and that is definitely something that every prepper should try to do. If you don't have the room in your backyard, then uh, doing some containers definitely is the way to go. Learn to make bread. By now, you know that I love making bread, any kind of bread. I would have to say my favorite bread that I make is freshly ground whole wheat bread. Here is my post to help you make bread. Linda's bread making tips. I promise that you can make bread, any bread, if you have the right ingredients. They must be fresh ingredients. I don't know if you have smelt like bread that just comes out of the oven uh, lately. I mean, that is just the best smell ever. And so uh, if you can do that or it's not very hard, uh, definitely and, and link, click on Linda's link over here uh, to go there. Um, but, you know, you can start off small, you know, start off. Don't try to grind your own wheat and all that type of stuff. You know, go in and start off. You know, just making a basic recipe and go from there. I guarantee you, if you make that bread and uh, your family smells it, they're going to love it. They're going to come like, hey, what is cooking? It smells so good. All right. Uh, number seven is fishing is awesome. Have you ever gone fishing? Oh, my gosh. My grandkids love throwing the fishing line after they have hooked the worm on the end. I have such great memories of my little daughter fishing and learning to fillet a fish to cook. Number eight, chopping wood is an adventure. Mark and I were lucky to have a wood-burning stove for many years. We taught our daughters to haul and chop wood. It didn't stop there. We taught them how to heat the house with chopped wood and coal. Great memories and teaching them skills at the same time. Definitely chopping wood correctly is one of those things that you really want to know. Um, even the best, you know, the best that are out there can uh, make a mistake. And if you make a mistake swinging an axe, you can be in for uh, a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and possibly even the loss of your life if you are in a poop hit the fan situation and you, you make a mistake. So learning how to chop wood correctly is definitely a skill that people should, should know. Number nine is learn to use tools. If you learn to use the various tools available to us, you can save so much money by fixing your car 
finishing a basement, or even helping to build a home. You can fix just about anything one item at a time. And I would say that when you couple that, you couple tools, having the right tools with what you can learn on YouTube, it's a, it's amazing what you can do. Now, uh, of course, when the poop hits the fan, you're not going to have YouTube or it's very possible you're not going to have the internet. But uh, right now, you know, learning those skills, learning how to use those tools of fixing things, even if it's a situation where like you pick up something that's broken, maybe a neighbor's left something out and you're like, hey, I, I want to attempt to, to fix that, right? And just to see if you could do it. I've done that before where I knew that uh, there was a broken lamp and I wanted to, we knew that we were going to replace it but i wanted to see if i could fix the other one and uh, sure enough you know you're able to do that again there's so much information online that you can use to build those skills uh, so if you're ever in a situation that you can uh you know that you have some skills to to be able to draw from but not only that having tools that's a game changer because if, you, if you've ever been in a situation where you haven't had the right tool and you've tried to do something and you mean you just mess things up. But if you have the right tool, things are so much easier. And imagine if you were in a poop, situ- poop hit the fan situation where there wasn't a Home Depot or a Lowe's or, you know, a hardware store that you can go get more tools. You know, what you have is what you get and how valuable would be your tool set in, in a situation like that. Number 10 is learn to store food. If you learn to store the right food, you can cook from scratch. It's like having a grocery store in your home. These are the basics that may help you get started. And there's a link here to pantry items. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. We talk a lot about that, storing food, storing uh, the basics so that you can uh, you know, use those in your cooking. So definitely that is a skill to have. Number 11, learn to store water. In order to be self-reliant, we must store water in case of emergency. It could be our water lines that are contaminated or a major water line break. If you have at least one gallon per person per day for your family stored, you can survive for as long as the water lasts. I personally store four gallons of water per person per day. Thanks for being prepared for the unexpected. And I'm going to add to that, not only learn to store water, but learn how to filter and purify water. Learn how to use your water filters. But even if you didn't have that, what would you do? Number 12 is preserve your bounty. If you have one book, it should be this one for canning or preserving your food. I have my master canning and preserving certificate. It is the only one I would trust or recommend. And it is a trusted canning book. (laughs) And so uh, you can click on that book and go from there. Number 13, learn to make jam and or jelly. If you can grow strawberries or raspberries, you can make jam. There is nothing better than freshly baked bread with with butter and homemade jam. And so there is a link to Linda's recipe here. Um, and again, I know that we've uh, we talked about this not too long ago in the, the dehydration, dehydrating, uh, freeze drying um, podcast or episode that we talked about not too long ago. But you can go to the grocery store when they're having a big sale and you have strawberries that are 99 cents for a big you know bundle, whatever, because they're just, you know, it's the top of the season and they want to make sure they get rid of them and they don't go bad. You can buy a whole bunch of that and bring it home and make a bunch of jelly uh, or jam to, to give away and people love that right that's a it's a great gift number 14 cook from scratch if you have the tools you can cook from scratch if you stock your pantry you can easily make just about any meal from scratch and so there is a link here cooking from scratch i'm not gonna i'm not going to um to talk too much about that one i've already kind of touched on that one number 15 is learn to cook with cast iron 
Cooking with cast iron is awesome. They make food taste even better. I grew up watching my mom fry everything in a cast iron pan. Please don't be afraid to use cast iron. Those pans will last a lifetime. If you have issues with your cast iron pans, please read this article, Cast Iron Pans by Linda. Hey, I'm going to also say this, right? I'm not necessarily talking about cooking with cast iron, but I will say this. If you go into an antique store or you go into a resale shop or you go and you hit a garage sale and you find cast iron, regardless of what kind of condition it's in, buy it. Unless it is cracked, right? Unless it is broken that way, then then buy it. You want to make sure you buy it because there you can clean that up. You can bring it home. You can clean it up, and you'll have uh, a lot of the times you will have a, a piece that will last longer than you will. And so uh, be on the lookout. Always be on the lookout when you go to like a resale garage sale. Uh, you know, you go to an antique store. If you can eat at an antique store, if you can pick up a cast iron, uh, you know, skillet or any kind of cast iron pot for really cheap, do it. All right, number 16 is learn to use a vacuum sealer. If you want to have less waste with your groceries, try using a food saver. It removes the air from the jars or bags and keeps the food fresher in the refrigerator or freezer. And so uh, definitely that's not something that will, you know, that you'll be using in, you know, in a poop hit the fan situation. But when we talk about being self-reliant and we talk about saving money and we talk about doing, uh, you know, being smart with how we do things, definitely a vacuum sealer will be very helpful. Number 17, make your own laundry soap and detergent. You can make laundry soap for pennies on the dollar, literally. Have some friends over and make it a fun night. All right, so um, there are some people that have, I have read different things about, you know, DIY laundry soap and maybe some of the new um, the new washing machines. And some people have talked to, talked about that uh, they had like a buildup of the laundry soap. And so um, what some people had suggested is you just don't put as much in it. And uh, other people had said, well, you know what? It doesn't get the clothes as clean as what, you know, like my Tide or Cheer or whatever that I normally buy. And so, you know, regardless of how you feel about all of that, there's a lot of people that do make their own laundry soap or laundry detergent, and they are fine with that. But it's a great skill to be able to, to know. And it's a good thing to have the supplies because the supplies are not, uh, you know, they don't take up a lot of space. And so it's something that you can stock and have in case things go south. And so if you needed to do laundry, maybe the old-fashioned way, or maybe in uh, a bucket, uh, a five-gallon bucket with a plunger, and you needed to use that to uh, to go ahead and do your, uh, your clothes, then you have a little bit of laundry soap, or you have the supplies to be able to make laundry soap so that you can keep your clothes clean, right? So uh, there you go. Make your own laundry soap. Number 18 is hang your clothes outside. Can you remember seeing your grandmother's sheets blowing in the wind on the clothesline? I sure do. I finally found a clothesline that I love. If you're looking for the best clothespins, these are the ones I recommend. Kevin's clothespins. I also found the best clothespins holder made by Prairie Pin Pouch. All right. Uh, so definitely, I, re- I do remember my grandmother putting things out like that. You know, and uh, from time to time, you know, when we're out in the country and we needed to hang stuff up, I mean, we would do it that way. Or you go to the beach and, and, you know, you uh, you can string some lines up or whatever and people can put their their uh, their towels and and things like that. 
Definitely. Now, uh, depending on where you live, uh, I know that Linda lives in a more, uh, it's a more dry climate uh, here in the Houston area. I don't know. And it's sometimes it's like if it was a clear day and then it'll start raining. I'm like, what the heck, man, you know? So I don't know. I mean, you have to be there, you know, ready to, to watch all of that. And I'll tell you what, uh, it's nasty when pollen season hits. So for for me, I would say I'm going to go ahead and use the dryer. But uh, that is, I don't believe it's a skill, but it is something to always to consider, right? You can just imagine that there are people out there that wouldn't even have a concept of hanging clothes outside. Like they wouldn't have an idea of if you said that to them, it's like, you know, go dry your clothes outside. They're like, what, what in the world are you talking about? They would have no concept about that. But uh, definitely something that you can always put in the back of your mind. Uh, if you don't want to uh, put your, your clothes out to dry, definitely. Number 19, learn how to deal with weeds. If you start with organic soil and keep on top of weeds, you may never have excessive weeds. And I'm going to also say this. This is something that I consistently deal with in my backyard because we have a pool. We try to, you know, we want it to, to be nice. We have the, uh, you know, we have garden beds and all that kind of stuff. But weeds just grow crazy. And uh, if you are not, if you don't stay on top of it, they can get out of control. And I have purposed many, many, many years ago not to use Roundup. That's not something that I want to do. But I do use uh, you know, the weed apocalypse uh, <laughs> recipe, uh, like a gallon of vinegar, a quarter cup of salt, and uh, a pinch of, or, you know, like a tablespoon of Dawn soap and put it in a sprayer. And if, if you spray that on weeds, especially if it was just cut. So like if you cut down weeds and then you sprayed this and the sun was hitting, forget it. You will just You'll, you'll wipe out those weeds in no time. But it does mean that you have to go out there and be consistent and stay on top of it. You know, Roundup, you can hit Roundup and it, Roundup will stay on the weeds and continue killing even if it rains. You know, the vinegar, the weed apocalypse recipe will, uh, will dissipate which says a lot for the Roundup, right? It's like, I mean, what possibly can be in there that uh, would continue killing uh, even w- you know, with a good downpour? But anyway, dealing with weeds is uh, is one of those things, and uh, you will always want to find ways to be able to do that in your garden and also outside of it. If you're one of those that wants to make you know their house looks nice, look nice, and uh, the backyard look nice, and all that good stuff. Number twenty is build a fence. I must say, one of the best things to teach your kids to work is to build a fence. They will learn how to dig a hole, place a post vertically straight, and fill the hole with concrete mix. Then you hang the rails and then the fencing. Yay for teaching the family to work. Hey, you know, I just want to bring up this thing here. What would you do if you were in a poop hit the fan situation and you didn't have fencing material? You didn't have the ability to go to Home Depot or Lowe's and buy a bunch of lumber uh, and, and do that. You know, how would you go about doing that? Just something for, uh, you know, to put in the back of your mind and, and to think that through. Number 21 is build a fire. If you can build a fire, you can survive. You'll need some kindling to help start the fire, some small pieces of wood or shredded paper, then some larger branches, and finally a few logs to keep the fire going and stay hot. Always have some matches around the house to use when starting the fire. Be sure to only set fires where it is safe to do so. This is also a good time to teach kids cooking on an open fire, but also fire safety tips. So I'm just going to say, you know, learn how to build a fire. I think that is a skill everyone should know 
regardless of the situation. And uh, I, I think you should have multiple ways to be able to start a fire and, and know how to do that. Number 22 is cook over a fire. If you have a Dutch oven, you can cook over a fire. If you have some long sticks, you can also cook over a fire. The possibilities are endless and oh so fun. If you can find some used cast iron Dutch ovens or skillets at your local thrift store, buy them. Number 23, learn natural remedies. I use essential oils and try my very best to figure out what I need before going to a doctor. Let's be honest here. There is a time when you must see a medical professional. These are my favorite essential oils. And so there's a link there. Uh, Definitely essential oils coming from a guy. I mean, some of you guys that are listening, a lot of the times the ladies are like good with it. You don't have to try to convince them. But the guys is kind of like, I don't want to put, you know, I don't want to put some essential oil or that smell on me. Let me tell you something. It works. It helps. Definitely. And so uh, if you have sinus headaches and things like that, there is uh, the one that I use is Spark Naturals uh, LLP. It's an allergy blend. Oh my goodness, it does work. I diffuse it, um, and you might even you might even be able to tell I'm a little stopped up right now. It seems like I've been stopped up forever now. It just this is driving me nuts. But I do put that in my diffuser at work, and I can go and like walk into the office with a headache and put my diffuser on with a little bit of LLP, and my headache goes away. It's pretty amazing, and so definitely would uh, get you to to try it. And uh, even though it's essential oils, if you have uh, you know like something you know, like a toe fungus or whatever, I, I've talked about this before. I mean, there was a spot on my toe where the doctor said, "Hey, yeah, we'll get you some medicine for that, uh, but we'll have to monitor your your blood or whatever." And I'm like, forget that. I started putting tea tree oil on it, and man, it cleared it up. And so in the morning. You know, at night before I went to bed, I would put tea tree oil. I put a couple of drops on a Q-tip and get, you know make sure I got it all around my toe and, and as much as I could underneath. In the morning before I put my socks on, I would do it. And I mean, it it takes a couple of weeks, but it cleared it up. And so those things are amazing. And then you know, using something like uh, you know thieves when you're sick or so that you don't get sick. Definitely things to uh, to consider and to have a little bit of a stockpile on that. So that's all I'll say about that. But guys, don't let your pride get in the way of using essential oils as something that you should look into. Number 24 is a first aid kit. If you need a list to fill your first aid kit, here's the one I put together. I highly recommend the book for emergencies, The Survival Medical Handbook. Uh, so Linda and I are uh, two peas in a pod when it comes to Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's Survival Medical Handbook. We definitely believe that you should have that. Um, there is a list here to her first aid kit. Um, you know, someone asked me on Twitter because there was, um, there was a tweet that went out and they asked about budget supplies for first aid. And you can always go to the dollar store and you can stock up there. But my advice is not to skimp on first aid supplies. You know, don't go the cheap route there. I mean, buy quality stuff when you are filling your your first aid kit or you are are building up your first aid supply stockpile. Um, Definitely, you know, just spend a little money there. I think it's, it's smart. And number 25 is learn CPR. You can learn to save a life by learning this skill. Please check your local American Red Cross or some local government agencies for classes that are available. And there's a link here to American Red Cross CPR classes. You know, every time that you, there was years there that I was required to take it every single year. 
and I would always think about, you know, because they would always touch on the story of why CPR came about and all that kind of stuff. And I always thought about the people whose lives could have been saved, you know, in the past if someone would have known CPR. And I'm talking about like before CPR was, uh, before it was, and I don't want to say invented, but before the, the practice, before that skill was made known and people realized, hey, you can get someone's heart pumping by doing this and by, you know, you can breathe, uh, you know, do rescue breaths and, and, and different things like that. But imagine all those, the people that died years and years and years ago because uh, someone didn't know CPR and how simple, the, you know, that, that could have been, that could have saved uh, a lot of lives there. And so, you know, if you get that opportunity, a lot of the times the classes are free and it does, you know, it will take up uh, hours on a Saturday or a couple of nights out of the week, but definitely would be worth it if you ever needed it. All right, so let's go ahead and end this out here. It says, thanks again for being prepared for the unexpected. Today's post gives you 25 easy homesteading skills you can learn or teach others. May God bless our world. All right, guys, so uh, definitely a lot of good stuff here and a lot to think about. Yeah, as I was going through that list, how many of those things were you able to say, you know what, I can do this or I have done this before and so, or my spouse can do this? If not, how many things could you start to add? You know, could you like, hey, let me start looking into this. Let me start learning how to make bread or let me look into doing this or doing that or maybe I need to go take some CPR classes, right? So how many of those things could you put into place? And this is just really scratching the surface of being self-reliant. There are so many other things out there. I mean, it does cover some big things, but there are a lot of other things there where you are being a little bit more self-reliant and not depending on other people to come to your rescue, just like people used to live back in the day before the government became the savior of everybody's life and uh, you know they made it very easy for you to uh, to live off of uh, other people's taxes and not have to work you know so what <laughs> i'm gonna get all political and all that stuff on i'm just just putting it out there you know how different would our world be just like linda said if we were a little bit more self-reliant a little bit more prepared and we decided to take care of ourselves and do everything that we could. Yes, do we need safety nets out there? Yeah, people run into hard times all the time. And we need to have those safety nets, but they need to be very temporary so people get back on their feet and get back to uh, you know, taking care of themselves. Now, there's a couple of comments in here of people making that same, uh, that same argument and talking about how there was a time period where they needed that, that food, you know, the food stamps, but they were able to get back on track and uh, start taking care of themselves. And that's a great story to be able to, and that's a great feeling to be uh, self-reliant, to not have to be dependent on somebody else, to know that you can do it on your own. Well, guys, this is it for this article. Like always, I'm going to link to it in the show notes so you can click over to it. There are, there are a lot of links that you can uh, bounce off of this article if you're wanting to uh, know a little bit more. And that's it for episode 389. Man, I can't believe we are so close to episode 400. That's absolutely crazy. Hey, if you are not subscribed to the podcast, head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.